Good morning, and welcome to another episode of Crime Over Coffee. We're your hosts. I'm Abby. I'm Erica. And I'm your editor, Bryce. And today we're going to be discussing some of the history, facts, methods, and controversy surrounding the death penalty. So pour yourselves a nice cup of joe in your Crime Over Coffee mug, and let's dive in. The usage of capital punishment is something that is widely controversial, and we'll get into our own opinions towards the end of the episode, but just a quick breakdown of the etymology of the word capital comes from the Latin word caput, which just means head. So is that similar to like decapitated? Yeah, so that would use the same Latin word caput and also um, the root word D, which uh, just the letters D-E, which means down, away from, reverse... So before we dive into the history of capital punishment, just some quick current statistics on the death penalty itself. So right now, it's currently in use by 58 countries. Some of those include the United States, Egypt, China, Japan, India, countries like that. 102 countries have the death penalty available, but kind of have it in reserve, don't really use it. Um, Some of those would be Russia, Algeria, Morocco, Kenya... And then 32 countries have completely abolished it so far. Some of those include Canada, Mexico, most of the countries in the UK, and Australia. I will say, too, in some of my research, I found that the U.S. is really teetering on that. A lot of states aren't using it or are kind of keeping it on the back burner as well. Yeah, and when we get into talking more about some of the current statistics in America, and even specifically in Indiana, you can see... A definitive trend away from using it and just adding more and more restrictions on what can constitute requesting it and actually utilizing the death penalty. I think the U.S. is one of those places that's really split kind of down the middle. A lot of people feel like they should use it and a lot don't. And so there's about half the states who still use it and about half that don't. Which is surprising since, you know, the U.S. is never divided on issues or anything political. Not once. As we look back into history, we notice a lot of countries had some pretty, some pretty rough standards for what would constitute a crime that would justify the death penalty. So if you go back into ancient times, which we're not going to go too far into that, but places all over Europe, places like Saudi Arabia had some pretty gruesome methodology. For instance, certain crimes, you'd get your limbs pulled off, you'd get your internal organs pulled out, burned. In Saudi Arabia, they were big on cutting people's heads off, and that continued for a long time. And some of those things were for crimes such as adultery, robbery, witchcraft, homosexuality, and in some cases, just repeated drug use. You'd you'd get your head cut off. For quite a while, being burned at the stake was a pretty common punishment used in places in and around England. And in 1783, England introduced drop hangings as what they believed was a more moral way to kill people, and it was pretty widely adopted, except for the Scots, which continued to burn people at the stake for witchcraft for quite a while. Then in 1792, France introduced the guillotine as yet another what they thought was a bit more moral way to kill people because it was just quicker than drop hangings, which was quicker and more moral than burning them at the stake. It does sound a little bit better. 
burning just seems like one of the worst ways to go. And hangings, if I don't know how to put this in a nice way, but if your neck doesn't hit just right, you're right. going to be struggling for a while. Yeah, which it, in their actual wordage for the punishment, it was to be hung until you die. So they're well aware of the fact that it very well could not kill you instantly. It's also interesting to note that during the rule of King Henry VIII in England, there were at some points up to 10 executions a week, and some of those were for crimes as small as stealing somebody's cabbages. So England was definitely all about the death penalty for a while there. And over the course of just a few decades, there were well over a thousand executions that took place. So if it was for stealing people's cabbages, what do you think would happen to the person that stole my kayak? Shameless plug to an old episode. (laughs) (laughs) Off with their head. All right. Entrails cut out and burned. So fast forward a bit through time. We're now at the 1860s and Great England has now established a police force as a method of lowering crime rates as opposed to just scaring people with the threat of the very severe punishments. The last execution that took place in the UK was on the 13th of August 1964, which was a hanging of two men Gwen Evans and Peter Allen, who stole just a few quid from a man and then bludgeoned him to death. And despite the fact that this was the last one that was done, it didn't really gain much interest from the public, wasn't written about very much, and then it just kind of ended until in 1965 it was officially abolished by the Labour government because they wanted to put an end to it finally. Now that we have a pretty basic coverage of some of the more ancient methods and some of the history of outside the U.S., we're going to bring it back home to the United States and all the way back to 1776 when the country was being formed with the original 13 colonies. It is said that even back in 1776, male homosexuals were subject to the death penalty. And even earlier than that, in one colony specifically, I didn't read which one, lesbians were subject to that same penalty. So even though you might like to think of the United States as a place that has pretty good morals, it's important to note that even back then, there were some pretty loose justifications on what could constitute the death penalty. So the United States actually took a break from the capital punishment between 1967 and 1976. And this was when a bunch of legal challenges were being considered, and they were trying to determine whether or not it was okay for the death penalty to continue to be invoked. And the first person to be put to death after all of this was done in the United States determined that they were going to keep the capital punishment. His name was Gary Gilmore, and this was in 1977. He was put on death row after he had murdered two men in cold blood, and he was put to death by a firing squad in Utah. And I don't know if you know this about Gary Gilmore per se, but I do know that around this time period in some states... People who were convicted and sentenced to the death penalty could choose how they wanted it carried out. I do remember researching a case where two people had kidnapped a child and held them hostage trying to get a ransom, got the death penalty, and they were able to choose what they wanted, and they chose the gas chamber. So yeah, there are actually five different methods that are used for the death penalty, and there are currently 14 states that allow you to choose how you will die using the death penalty. The five methods are hanging, firing squad, electrocution, lethal gas, and lethal injection. So we're going to go through and tell you some facts about each method, and then we'll tell you some pros and cons for each method. 
So hanging is the most common method that has been used since 1776. And a pro of this is it's typically pretty quick before the person loses consciousness. But a negative is that it's not the most effective because it doesn't always work. If the rope does not fall in the exact right spot, it will not do its job, which is pretty gruesome. Basically, if you don't fall at the right spot with the right amount of force, you could be hanging there for upwards to an hour before you actually pass away. Which apparently the knot on the rope is actually placed very intentionally in a specific spot to aid in the breaking of the person's neck. Something else that I'm sure a lot of you have heard before, a long time ago, hangings were like a family affair and a big event. People would come and sit around in an area to watch someone be hanged, which is absolutely gruesome and insane. Yeah, a lot of those punishments back then were much more about public ridicule than anything else, such as the stockade where people would throw rotten fruit and vegetables at you. The next method, which is firing squad, was used as recently as 2010. There's a a pro to this one is that not one person is necessarily responsible for the death of the inmate. So it's my understanding, and I definitely would like to learn more about it, but typically there's several people on the firing line, and to my knowledge, it's either one person has the actual bullet or they all do. So the firing squad that I'm talking about, they would all have a bullet. So so they would all fire and all hit. Yes. So then the negative would be if somebody got hit with a bullet and it didn't kill them right away. But I think they typically aim straight for the head. For me, whenever I have looked into this subject and... I don't, unfortunately, it's been more times than a normal person probably has. I always thought firing squad would be kind of the easiest way to go if you're on the other end of it. It's very statistically unlikely that you're going to survive that, which kind of negates any con where you might say, well, there's the chance that, you know, even after all of those rounds are fired through, you still survive because they didn't land a kill shot. It's probably likely you're going to die nearly instantly. The mystery has been solved. Here at Crime Over Coffee, our go-to caffeinated beverage for every episode is Fire Department Coffee. And you can get some as well and save 15% with our exclusive coupon code CRIMEPOD15. Owned and operated by firefighters and veterans, 10% of all their proceeds go directly to helping sick and injured first responders. And with an incredible range of flavors and caffeine strength, it's a company that all of us can easily support. So please go to firedeptcoffee.com and use our coupon code CRIMEPOD15 to support us, support them, help first responders, and get some incredibly tasty coffee along the way. The next method is electrocution, and this is one of the more common methods. But there's a lot more cons to this one than pros. It's, I mean, for the amount of cons that there are, it's used a lot. One of the things is they try their best to ensure that the inmates hair on their head, legs and arms is shaved because the if it comes in contact with the electricity, then they catch on fire. And there's been multiple cases where the person's head or legs have caught on fire from the electrocution going through them because they didn't shave the hair well enough. Which typically I think they kind of put this dome on your head to give like good surface area contact and then basically surges the electricity down through your whole body, I think, into your feet. That's where the other end of the electrodes are. That's what I understand anyways. Yeah, and with this method, 
Erica, don't they also do something about something with sponges dipped in water? Yeah, so they actually dip sponges in salt water and attach it to the little dome things that Bryce was talking about. And they will put that on and it has something to do with the conduction. And I don't know electricity talk, but Bryce, Electricity talk. (laughs) Oh, man. So essentially, water on its own is not conductive. You'd be interested to find that out. What they do to aid in the conductivity is put salt, water, and sponges. Electricity, as you know, will always attempt to seek out the path of least resistance. So it's going to be much easier for the electricity to pass through those conductive, salty, wet sponges than it would be to go through any air gap from the dome into your head or through your hair, which is not nearly as conductive as the sponges would be. Yeah, basically what I knew was that with the sponges, it's quicker. Without the sponges, it's longer and more painful. Okay. That was what I learned. I think we should apologize for how morbid this is getting. Um, It's not supposed to be that detailed detailed of an episode as much as just, you know, facts and opinions on the death penalty. We're just kind of trying to cover the methods and why they raise a lot of problems with the public and people who are opposed to it. So maybe we should move on to the next method. Yes, let's go on to the next method. It's much happier. Lethal gas, otherwise known as hydrogen cyanide. That doesn't sound happier to me. So tell us about this. It's actually the most expensive form of execution, and it hasn't been used since 1999. One of the cons with it was that the lethal gas, sometimes if the chamber that the person was put in was not completely locked and sealed up tight, the lethal gas could escape and kill the executioner standing in the room. There's documented cases of that happening? That's crazy. I'm not sure if there's documented cases, but it was definitely, they had major concerns about it. I don't know if it ever ended up actually happening. The documentary I watched talked a lot about how that was a major concern of them, and they tried to move away from it because they were always worried that there were going to be deaths from that. That's crazy. You think that they would just do it remotely or something. But how crazy would that be if like you're supposed to get the death penalty by a gas chamber and it all leaks out into the executioner's room and you're just like, oh, guess I'll cough a bit. <laughs> so was the gas used as an asphyxiation method or was it more of like poisonous gas? Like you can't breathe and die? Or is it more of like actually poisoning you and killing you? It was actually used to block off the oxygen into the body, so more of an asphyxiation method. The next and last method that we're going to talk about is lethal injection. So this was first used in 1982, and it's currently the primary method in all 33 states in America that use the death penalty still. A pro to this is that when it's done properly, it is very efficient and it works well. A con is that it's typically not done effectively, and so we've got a wide range of cons for it. The first one that I'm going to mention is that the needle that they put into the inmate's arm will sometimes fall out. And so then they have to re-put it in. And it's just a very long taxing way to die. So I have a pretty detailed explanation from the state of Indiana laws and code that regulate the death penalty, which maybe we could get into a little bit later. But basically three main steps to it, um, all of which kind of have their own ways of going wrong. Yeah, I've definitely, in my research, come across lethal injection having a lot of horror stories associated with it, where something, like you guys have said, goes wrong and the person does not die efficiently and quickly. It is a very long, slow, torturous process. 
Before we segue into some of the Indiana-based facts and some interesting things about that, I wanted to just mention a quick statistic about the United States. A lot of these stats aren't updated super often, but some of the more recent ones that I could find that are at least the beginning of this year say that around 8,000 people since 1976 have been sentenced to death, but a little over 1,500 of them were actually executed. And as of the beginning of this year, about 2,600 prisoners are currently on death row. Yeah, following that, a poll that was taken in 2019 showed that most Americans, so about 60% of Americans, would prefer life without parole to the death penalty. And for the fifth straight year, and this is 2019 back, fewer than 30 people were executed and fewer than 50 people were sentenced to death. It's definitely on a decrease in the U.S. We're going to bring it even a little bit closer to home to Indiana. And what I found that was really interesting is that before 1987, the minimum age for the death penalty was 10. I feel like that's a little bizarre. That is an insanely low age to decide that somebody needs to be executed, I believe. Yeah, and they finally figured that out. But 1987 is when they upped that to 16. And then it wasn't until 2002 that they moved that up to 18 as a minimum age. So is that that they have to be convicted at that age or that's when the actual execution would take place at that age? Well, in 2005 is when they finally defined it under law. So in the Roper v. Simmons Supreme Court case, they decided that executing defendants who were under the age of 18, so the actual execution part, at the time of their crime is cruel and unusual in violation of the Eighth Amendment, and as a result of their reduced mental capacity of just being young, they are less morally culpable and less capable of being deterred from crime. So they did finally define that. I can't believe it wasn't until 2005 that they did that. 2005. 2002 when they actually moved the age, but it wasn't, I guess, really defined in a Supreme Court case until 2005. That's so recent. It really is, and... It just, you know, with the whole death penalty and capital punishment, I don't necessarily know 100% where I stand, but I I firmly do not believe that a person under the age of 18 should be sentenced to death. Yeah, I'm just, and this is as early as the mid-80s, a 10-year-old being put on death row. That's, like, just imagine that. While researching, I did come across, and I think this was somewhere in Europe, that they actually had definitions for the different things that would potentially get you on death row and one of their examples was if if your kid seemed to be easily aggravated enough or showed enough signs of troublemaking like some really strange definition that would potentially get a kid on death row if they just seemed like very much a troublemaker at an early age and i think that was a long time ago in a country far far away but still kind of kind of reminds me of that So Abby and I have talked a couple different times about, and we have an episode coming up soon where we're going to kind of dive more into what the actual age is, where it's more appropriate for like death penalty or to spend your rest of your life in prison. It like, and I can't even imagine a 10 year old showing some aggression being put on death row. That just seems absolutely insane to me. The thing is when it comes to children or minors who are carrying out like an act that's as you know violent or bad as murder it's like what really is an age where you can interpret 
that they know what they're doing. Yes, legally at 18, you're an adult, but at 18, should you be held fully responsible for some of the actions you're doing or not? And I mean, I'm not sure even where I stand on that completely, but it it, it depends so much on the person, I think. I think definitely should be held accountable for actions in certain ways, for sure. But to the extent of death penalty, I don't... That's that's rough. That's hard to know, like, an exact age or... I don't know. And I'm sure, like anything that serious, it is on a case-by-case basis when it comes to going through the legal system. And, you know, as we mentioned earlier, the U.S. and a lot of states are really stepping away from the death penalty. And since we're talking about Indiana, as of... 2019 Indiana was on its 10th year point without an execution we don't have the 2020 stats because obviously 2020 is still happening but I know that a lot of states are leaning away from carrying it out for a lot of reasons yeah and when you said that it made me wonder if the reason was more to do with more restrictions on the death penalty and people just morally moving away from it or if it was actually less cases occurring that were extreme enough to warrant the death penalty. But I feel like I feel like crime is like that is somewhat consistent through the years, like gradual shifts, but so I feel like it's probably what you said where it's more of a moral shift than anything. A moral shift as well as making sure you have all the bases covered, which is something we're definitely gonna get into here in a little bit later in the ways of is the evidence sufficient to really be ending somebody's life for a crime? Are you sure they're the ones who committed the crime? We're also going to talk about what crimes should be punishable by death. Because I think that's another big controversy. Which they do have that broken down in pretty good detail state by state. So we might go over some of those for the Indiana situations. So focusing on lethal injection a little bit. So this will get a lot into kind of the pros and cons of lethal injection, mostly the cons, but, and this is provided by the actual laws and statutes of the state of Indiana. So this is kind of a direct quote. If a prisoner is executed, the state of Indiana will strap him or her to a gurney, insert an IV line, and inject into that line a series of three chemicals. A barbiturate to render him or her unconscious, pancuronium bromide, to paralyze voluntary and reflex muscles, and potassium chloride to stop his or her heart. Defense attorneys have raised concerns that the barbiturate may be inadequate or may wear off too quickly, and that the pancuronium bromide, which renders the prisoner unable to move or speak, may mask signs of consciousness and excruciating pain. So basically, that third chemical, the potassium chloride, which stops your heart, if you're still conscious is said to have a very excruciating burning sensation through your whole body. So the issue is, that has happened many times, is that the first chemical, the barbiturate, either is not administered enough or wears off too quickly, and the prisoner will begin to regain consciousness, but because of the pancuronium bromide, they cannot move. They're paralyzed. So they cannot show signs that they are still conscious and are experiencing this excruciating pain. So then the question is, does it fall under the definition of the death that is cruel and unusual? That's where that's where the gray line starts to show. Here's the thing too, just to play a little devil's advocate here. Yeah, we have these constitutional rights, but a lot of people argue, not me personally necessarily, but a lot of people do argue that 
they have what's coming to them because they've inflicted so much pain and hurt and suffering among other people. And that's something I did come across in my research when you look into especially families of victims of these people is, is it so bad that they're going through some pain before their death, whereas they've possibly put even more pain out on someone else? So then you kind of have to ask yourself, is it the entire thing? Is it humane? Which, you know, it's likely not humane to how Bryce has described this kind of torture someone to death. But at the same time, it's not humane. The acts they've possibly carried out on other people so before we get into maybe some of our personal opinions or kind of discussing the moralities of the death penalty in general i was curious to know what exactly would constitute whether or not you can get put on death row in indiana which as you may know is where we do our recordings for crime over coffee so on the surface level it's pretty simple The prosecution must prove the existence of at least one of several, quote, aggravating circumstances. And when I looked up the Indiana one, I saw 16 different circumstances that could potentially constitute a death penalty. 16? Yep. 16 different circumstances for murder that could potentially land you on death row. And I'll just name a few of them. We don't have to go through all of them. So, for instance... If the defendant committed the murder by intentionally killing the victim while committing or attempting to commit any of the following, arson, burglary, child molesting, criminal deviant conduct, kidnapping, rape, robbery, carjacking, criminal gang activity, dealing in cocaine or a narcotic, or criminal confinement. So they're very specific about these things. It is, however, a very wide range. Yes. So with that, if somebody was dealing drugs such as cocaine that led directly to someone's death could they be given the death penalty for that the murder has to be intentional and just has to potentially involve the dealing of cocaine so if somebody killed someone with drugs like if the drugs were laced or they're intentionally overdosing someone i guess could so be it has a situation. to be more direct than just like i dealt somebody this hard drug that led to their death right or i think it Probably what it's looking at is if there's a drug deal that went bad that involved a narcotic or cocaine and one of them killed the other, that's a circumstance that may involve it. Another circumstance would be if the defendant committed murder by the unlawful detonation of an explosive with the intent to kill. Sure. It also specifies if a person was hired to kill on both sides of that, the person doing the killing or the person that hired the the other person. Um, That's interesting. If the victim of the murder was a corrections employee, probation officer, parole officer, people that fall into line with that, firemen. So there's all sorts of different um, jobs under public servants that are specified. One of them specifies that if the defendant had been convicted of another murder. So potentially if there's two murders involved, now you're potentially able to be on death row. Which that's something we're going to talk about in one of our upcoming cases is someone... Or a couple people who were already in prison for life for a crime and then commit a crime in prison that then gives them the death penalty. Some of these specify more about the extent of the murder. For instance, if the defendant dismembered the victim, if they were burned or mutilated or tortured, or if the victim of the murder was less than the age of 12, if it involved a pregnant woman that resulted in the death of the fetus, 
or if the defendant committed the murder by intentionally discharging a firearm from an inhabited dwelling like a home or from a car. So those are just some of the things they specify in the state of Indiana that could land you in death row. They're oddly specific with all of those little pieces, which they kind of have to be, but it makes you wonder if every single one of these situations have happened and that's why the law is put into place. And then your mind just wanders a whole lot into what kind of world we live in. The best one. I disagree. Have you listened to any of our episodes, Bryce? Um, Almost all of them. Oh. Actually, hold on. Let me... Yes, all of them. Okay. That's what I thought. Uh, Yeah. Terrible world. And we've got more terrible stories to tell you coming up. So one last little bit of statistical data. Fun fact for you before we wrap up part one of this. There is just some sample data from 2001 to 2013. There were 4,672 total murder cases that involved murder or non-negligent homicides, so intentional murder. Of those, only 54 of them had the death penalty requested, and of the 54, only 13 proceeded to the trial, and then 11 of those actually succeeded with the death penalty. So if you do the math on that, that's less than a fourth of 1% of murder cases going all the way to a successful execution. Which is interesting more than anything else, but I guess just shows that it really doesn't happen all that often. So join us back next week for part two of the death penalty, where we talk about pros and cons and our personal opinions on where we stand with the death penalty. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Crime Over Coffee. You can find us on Instagram at Crime Over Coffee or on Facebook at Crime Over Coffee Podcast, where all of our photo and video content for each episode can be found. You can also email us your thoughts and case suggestions at crimeovercoffeepod at outlook.com. Also, all of our sources can be found in the show notes of each episode. If you would like, you can support us by going to anchor.fm slash crimeovercoffee. Donations are greatly appreciated and assist in making the podcast possible. Other ways to support us include recommending us to friends and family, giving us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, and subscribing to us on your favorite podcast listening medium. So again, thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.